Good Welcome. <laughs> Rob, this is, I have one job. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Coffee, the Theology, and Jesus podcast. Shouldn't that be back? Oh, no. I am your host, Tim Whitaker, joined by Rob McMichael and the one and only Jordan Renault. Hello, Hola. Jordan. Hello. Are you the only Jordan Renault? No. I'm hmm. friend, Facebook friends with another guy named Jordan Renault just because his name is Jordan Renault. So he's not the one and only. He is the only one. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Um, it's 2018. <laughs> I can't believe it. Hmm. Believe it. We did it, Rob. We officially stuck to all of our podcast resolutions. <laughs> For instance, Absolutely. Remember the one where we said we would podcast every two weeks? Yes. Mm. We did that really well. So... In uh, a year, there's 52 weeks. If we podcast right. it every two weeks, 30... No, wow, that was really bad math. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Try it again, 26. <laughs> we did terrible. Except for our series podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Which we always finish. How, how many episodes was that? A, uh, <laughs> we, I think the most we did was like a two-part series. That was supposed to be a four-part series. In fact, this episode we're going to record is not following our last episode, which was a series. But this is a pause. This is a parenthetical podcast inside of the series <laughs> no paul did I, it all the I, time i think the series is over no see paul did it look at romans look at romans 9 10 11 parenthetical hmm. argument i'm just saying we we did a really good job yeah yeah um well everyone hope your new year's is going great so far we're only three or four or five or one day in who knows when we're recording who this? knows it's all <laughs> mysterious <laughs> It's actually January 2nd, 2018. Oh, look. So. Wow, the mystery's mm-hmm. gone. Yep, it's gone. Um, you guys have any New Year's resolutions? Yes. That you actually do? Maybe. All right, what do you got? Uh, so I've had a, a, a nice gym membership for about five or six months mm-hmm. now. Nice. Value. I've been there once, and that was to sign up. Okay. Did you work out that day that you signed up? No, of course not. I didn't have time. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have time. Yeah, you know you I, can sign up online, right? I signed up online, paid for six months, and haven't gone at all. We <laughs> see. I'm I'm one step ahead of you. We have a Clearly. gym membership that Sarah has, and I think she used it four times. Luckily, work reimburses me for it. Yeah, but every time good. I offer to cancel, she goes, "No, no, I'm going to be going." And I'll say, "Okay." And then, well, why would you cancel? Happen. If work pays for it, why would you cancel? A, I mean, it just kills me that money is going out of our account every month that we're not. But using. money comes back mm-hmm. in, but not the full amount. It's like twenty bucks less usually. I think like like work gives yeah. me like three hundred bucks a year towards for a gym. So why do you have such an expensive gym? It's twenty bucks. I don't know. It's where she wants to go. Listen, mm. I don't make that's the what rules. you should no, do. Tell no her control. she needs to go, or you're going to go to a cheaper gym. What I'll do is I'll just buy her some weights Planet in Fitness. her house and say, "Welcome to your Ooh, gym." There you go. I, I don't have, have to go anywhere. Will they reimburse you for that? Yeah, <laughs> I actually have yeah. a lot of weights. Do you? underneath the bed? I'll take them. Okay, Sarah will never never have to leave the house. She can just work out because I use them so often. <laughs> I can lend dream. them to you. <laughs> An introvert's dream. That's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah, resolutions. There's something else. I want to eat healthier, which I started kind of in October with that whole thirty thing. Yeah, yeah. but now I'm back to eating crap. Well, that was great. I did the same. Well, I didn't do the whole thirty, but I was eating really well. Yeah, you look then, good, Jordan. How much weight you. did you lose? Um, like twenty pounds that I kept off. You look nice. And a little thin. more, and then I gained some back. Thank you. Yes. All studly like. How's uh how's <laughs> Seattle treating you? Uh it's great. Yeah, we like it. I'm sure. It's um beautiful. Are you all uh liberalized now? You big lib? Yeah. I knew it. If yeah. you thought he was a, you. If you thought he was a yes. coffee snob before. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that's probably I've gotten more coffee snobby as it's gone on. The snobbery has increased. Yet here you are drinking what we gave you. 
Yeah. Which is Maxwell House. I'm desperate. <laughs> Real <laughs> high quality. I told you, everything just not in Seattle just tastes the same. I can't tell Maxwell House from Dunkin' Donuts from Starbucks anymore. It's just all it's all trash. Yeah. Hmm. Not high-end enough. Not high-end enough at all. What's the yeah. biggest difference for you, Seattle from Jersey? Um, Probably the landscape. Hmm. I mean, that's kind of obvious. Yeah. Do you mean more culturally? <laughs> yes. Okay. Sorry. Culturally. <laughs> I'll be more specific. Culturally, the trees here are boring. <laughs> um, culturally, I'd say there are tree huggers out there, so there's more trees. Well, there's more trees to hug. We have the pine barrens, so out that's here, that's, that's a cultural impressive. thing. We are the evergreen state. We're the garden state. Gardens ain't trees. It's flowers. yeah, that's true. I think any I would include trees. No, in that. yeah, definitely anyway. not. Anyway, so culturally, what do you got? I think people are here are a little bit more like upfront with you and kind of like, oh, it can be like uh, the extreme of that. They can be kind of in your face and, you know, like Eastern New York, New Jersey is kind of like that's how they're like. Washington is a lot more like laid back, not in a Southern way. It's kind of different. It's hard to explain, but it's they're also very like transient in nature. They're not like tied to one place. Is it like similar to a California laid back? Because I've heard of that in California. Yeah, I would well. say it's a little bit more like that, and then maybe mixed in with a little like wandering kind of spirit. Hmm. If that makes sense. Do you enjoy that kind of mentality? Um, in some circumstances, yes, and in other situations, I think it can be a little bit frustrating. But we've met really nice people, and. Uh, yeah, made some good friends. Hmm. Interesting. I'm glad you like it out there. <laughs> Thanks. We miss you over here. Yeah. Well, I used to. Then I just, you know, you're dead Stopped. to me kind of thing. <laughs> I had to heal somehow, so I just yeah. pretended that you never... I never knew you. <laughs> yes, you never did exist in my life. We were never friends for over 10 years. Facebook just said we were tagged in 50 pictures together. That is proof, by the way, that Facebook definitely listens to us. Yeah, we, were, we were just in the same room. We were in the same room. And I look at my phone and it says, Tim, you and Jordan have been tagged in 50 photos together over the years. Congratulations. And yeah. I'm thinking, out of all the friends that I know on Facebook or have on Facebook, it recommends that moment of Jordan, who I'm sitting next to in the same room. Maybe it's because we were recently tagged, like from New Year's or something. I'm telling you, man. Because it popped up on mine with somebody else, and I don't think I was in the same room as them. Facebook but. listens. I've had <laughs> it where listen. I've said certain things and I get ads for those things. Can we... That's like... Put them down as a listener to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. Uh, but have you ever had that one. happen to you before, Rob, where I, I've talked about one time I was talking about appliances and there was an ad for a dishwasher. I didn't search for it. It just popped up. Hmm. Hmm. I'm telling you, they listen. That's because you work for the man. That's not true. It is the true. Yeah. No, Facebook yeah. is not the company I work for. Yeah, they're all the same. No, they're not. <laughs> all they're owned by the same person. My uncle thinks that 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 Apple doesn't care about your privacy, but whatever. You I don't argue do with care about at, the, at the, uh, the dinner table. They care about you buying new iPhones. That's why they slow your old ones. Oh my god! <laughs> it's obviously diabolical. Yeah. I am not going down. Actually, no. Maybe I will go down this path. Maybe I will, Rob. Huh? Okay. You have nothing else to talk about. Listen, for the it's next very 10 simple. Minutes. Here's the nut, nuts and bolts. Just like how your car battery will die every couple of years, your phone battery will die after a few years, and it's time to get a new one. Not if you have enough. How batteries work? Nope. Yep. Nope. Yep. No. Okay, so lithium batteries do not ever uh, be consumed. Not if you charge them right. Okay, that's why your your car battery never dies. That's not a lithium ion. Okay. Silly boy. Okay, Rob, I'm not going to discuss this with you. <laughs> I tend to but trust the uh, engineer over here. He's an engineer for boilers. Nothing to do with batteries. 
<laughs> still. I mean, they both they both start You're with letter B. You're an engineer for nothing. I'm an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're right. That's a good Zing. point. <laughs> you're a salesman. I'm not a salesman. For Apple, of course you're going to sell things about them. He's a, he's a people them. engineer. I, oh, he manages sales. I lead people. I'm a leader. He's a, he's mm. a lead. Technically, yeah. the, the term is Whose propaganda is that? Probably Apple's. Everyone I no, work it's with Facebook's. is my partner. <laughs> hey, look, I have advertisement for a new iPhone. Hmm. <laughs> Had it now. A battery? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> new battery. Ah, good times, good times. Hmm. Anyway, moving on from that nonsense, Rob. Let's get to our newest segment. That's not really that new anymore. Uh, Christians in the news. I don't have anything. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for that useless jingle. You're welcome. I want to give an award, just like how President Trump wants to give awards to the best fake news. False. Hmm. Thank you. Wrong. Fake news. I want to give an award to the best news site, I think, of 2017. Oh, good one. Babylon B. Yes. They, by far, have crushed the game. Their articles are only getting funnier. I don't know how they do it. And you know how, like, on most news sites, you'll see the author next to the article that, that they wrote? Sure. It's not on their website. They're like a ghost. Maybe. Uh, that's because they're fake news. <laughs> they make their satire is some of the most spot-on satire. Like, it's it's almost like, like how deep do you have to be in the Christian culture to to spoof it so well while, while still being okay to spoof it? Does that make sense? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like They're in that sweet spot that you'd like to think you're in also. <laughs> Even though you might, you're probably not, but... That's exactly right. That's exactly yeah. right. And I say that for me as well. No, it's absolutely <laughs> true. I, the article, they, they cover such a great, a grand spectrum of different, like, church subjects. Yeah. And they're always really well done. They have to have someone from every denomination too, because they know the ins and outs. I don't think it's that big a group. I wouldn't be surprised if it was like three or four writers full time. Yeah, but they know the ins and outs of every denomination. Like no one is excluded. But if you're getting paid, if you're getting paid to do that, to research and do that kind of stuff, you're gonna find it. That's how I see it. Yeah. Maybe I, I don't know how they do it though. But there's some there's some sects like some denominations that are not very well known. Like where I go, no, I feel like they hit the, the things that like we struggle with. They, it's like <laughs> I, no one knows you're we exist. Not as unique as you think, <laughs> right? Rob. You're all, still on the grid, Rob. Yeah. Oh, they found us. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have to give a major shout out to them. They're definitely for me the new side of the year. Yeah, and people seem to laugh at, at the articles that I post, even though some of them are really brutal. <laughs> really but I would brutal. say, as far as satire goes, they never like take it too far. Like at one person. I don't think they do. Except for Joel like, Olstein. Yeah, but he deserves it. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. Like, some satire, it's, like, obviously leaning one it's way malicious. or another. And I don't feel right. like they are. That's true. And they, they hit, they really hit on everyone. They'll do yeah. they'll do conservatives. They'll do liberals. The one on Planned Parenthood. Did you ever read that one? Oh, that one was, I. that one felt a little bit like that was real. It was, there. <laughs> there was some brutal, real. <laughs> but it was good. Like it was yeah. satire when it's real, you know, like, yeah. wow, that's really true. Anyway, so they <laughs> have won Tim's first ever news award. Hmm. Congratulations, Babylon B. I'm sure you're listening to this right now. Facebook will tell them. I'm so get, proud of you. You'll get your check in the mail. For the great work that you guys did. <laughs> hmm. Do you guys have any highlights of 2017 or lowlights? Why are you looking at me, Jordan? <laughs> I don't know, because I didn't have anything to say. Uh, didn't you move to Seattle in 2017? No, that no, was, that was over a year and a half ago. Whoa! I know. 
Okay, let's let's recap. Listen, what I have two kids in 2017. Okay. <laughs> well, that's a highlight. Donald Trump's first year. That's crazy, right? Sure. CNN, who used to think that they were fair and balanced, is very clearly anti-Trump because everything they post is about how much they hate Trump. Everything. Yeah. Everything. It's almost impressive, like how anti-Trump they are. So you have that. Then you have what else happened this year besides Trump being elected? I guess that's really it. Just that's, <laughs> wow, that's Those it. Are big year. Those are the yeah, only big notable things. year. Only notable things. Nor- uh, North Korea. They've gotten more brutal. Uh, giant pandas are no longer on the endangered species list. Hey, look at that. There you go. You are thing. from Seattle. Props yeah. to giant pandas. <laughs> no, I just watched one of those videos recently. It was like, here's all the good things that happened recently. It was. Oh, give us some more. How about all the crazy sex look, scandals I that came the out? Rest of them. Well, now you're jumping ahead. Yeah, that's not a good thing. You know what, Rob? I was trying to... Okay, I was trying this new thing of just walking into our subject Segway. nice and smooth. Like, we're having coffee and we're talking like friends. And nah. then you just ruined it. It, but it didn't flow well. It totally did because no. you know why? 2017 well, was the year of sex scandals. It's true. Maybe, Let me try it again. maybe in your mind. Let me try it again and why don't you just go with the flow. Right? All right, go ahead. You know what else happened in 2017? What? There were a load of sex scandals that came out. Now oh, you're jumping. Wow. No, dang it, Jordan. Uh, wait. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I said the wrong You know, thing. guys, I try and be professional. <laughs> I try and have a professional level podcast that does this consistently. Yes. And Jordan moves to freaking Seattle. Rob's too mm. busy because he has, quote unquote, a family to take care of. And here I am trying I, to be pro. I bought, that, I bought that headset microphone. That's, That's true. true. You did. I you tried. Did. And then we never call him. It's true. We, we call them twice. It's a lot of work. I'm sorry. I got to yeah, hit Sorry, things. this professional level podcast is a lot of work for you, It's Tim. a lot. Listen, I'm a pro here, okay? I only have so much time in a day. Yeah. I do a All lot right, of things. Anyway. I'm a busy man. Where were you going with that? We're, well, I was trying to naturally segue into our main topic of discussion yeah. until you good boneheads ruined it. Good effort. No, you guys sabotaged me. Well, yeah. It was a good effort on your part. We sabotaged. Anyway, let's talk about sex scandals. <laughs> They're so funny. No, but that, honestly, though, all kidding aside, this was a big year for that. A lot of people came out. A lot of people were under fire. A lot of of people lost jobs. Matt Lauer, that was a big one. Al Franken, that was a big one. Harvey Weinstein, that was a big one. Probably the biggest one that started it all, really. I feel like he was the tipping point for sure. I think he projected it into. Well, because what I understand, his. Like his that particular scandal was so widespread. Like his company, right? It was he like was multiple, and he people. was known for it. He was yeah. known for doing that stuff, which makes me wonder who else knew and who else kept their mouth shut. Oh, everybody knew. Yeah, it's crazy. You go back through the recordings of like all of the award ceremonies over the past like five years. You see people joking about Harvey Weinstein. And joking with female actresses. Oh, how'd you get here? Now you don't have to right sleep with Harvey anymore. Like, that was the joke throughout Hollywood for years. Right. And so now it came out and, I mean, it's, oh, that's so terrible. It's good. Like, it's good that people are speaking out again about yeah, it. absolutely. I just wanted to say that up front. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's so a good thing. People were like, whoa, this thing is, like, no, crazy and you're out of control. Let's just talk about this. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, it's obviously been happening for a long time. It just has now become really, like, a social justice issue almost, in a sense, where people are coming out saying, no, this really happened to me. And that's good because... Obviously, yeah. this stuff needs to be brought out to light, and it's important for people to know that there are people who do bad things who gain power the wrong way, including people in our government, people in Hollywood, people in the church. I mean, it's happened. No one is um, um, like uh, immune 
these these kinds of scandals. Right. You know, we even had one recently in our own church circles that came out that was pretty big, and it was like, whoa, big shocker. But again, no one is. I mean, people are people. They do bad things, no matter what what they do for a living or occupation, right? But it, it has been a big year of that that kind of store um, that like narrative of this person came forward, this person came forward. I mean, Al Franken's another big one. He, this lady who he was on tour with all these years ago, came out saying that he like pretty much forced himself on her to kiss her and like end up groping her breast when she was asleep and there's a picture of it and it comes out recently and then Al Franken gets you know he obviously resigns because of that it's been a crazy year for that kind of stuff yeah. a crazy year but it's also made me wonder where has that mentality come from because I, I what I don't know is has this always been happening in the history of humanity but now we're really talking about it openly or has there been kind of like a surge of this activity based on other things hmm. does that make sense Yes. So it's probably a mixture of both. There's yeah. probably there's always been bad people who have always done bad things, and we do live in, in a society where everything is instant. We're we've never been this connected to our phones or you know social media. News gets out so fast, so it can sometimes I think it can seem like oh this is happening all over the place all of a sudden when in reality it's always happened. We've just never known about it being so widespread, even though it's been so widespread. Yeah. You know what I mean? I would seem to to think that I think. Definitely. I mean, you look through history, even like the records that we have, even like biblical stories of stuff like this happening. Yeah. And I mean, definitely in history, past couple hundred year history, but I don't think we've ever, like you said, we don't have, we never had the ability to just come out with something immediately like we do now. Right. And to share it all over the place. Right. And honestly, uh, in much of history, we didn't have the same like justice systems that actually cared about that kind of stuff. That's that true. we do now. Yep. So, well, uh, same thing even with like, um, even with a lot of the police shootings. You know, I think a lot of that maybe has been happening for a long time, but thanks to social media, you're seeing more of, you're actually seeing it happen. You know, and that makes people think, hey, this is something that needs to be talked about, which I think is, you know, there's good and bad sides to that, right? Sometimes the mob mentality for any issue can become so overwhelmingly one-sided. Right, um, and misinformed. And misinformed, you know, so it's definitely been an interesting. Which brings up another uh, point with, even with all the sex scandals, and definitely not uh, belittling any claims, but it kind of seems like there's been so many accusations thrown around and people's, like, lives being seriously affected by accusations um, and maybe not all of them even like proved or, uh, well, that's the real, that's the real, for me, that's what I wrestle with the most is I of course want to believe every woman who says that because if, sure. if we're going to, listen, if we're going to side on one side over the other, I have to side on that side if I'm forced right. to go to no, the right sure. side. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather be, rather be wrong on that than, than wrong on the other side of that. Right. But at the other end, you do wonder, is there someone who's maliciously just trying to extort someone for money by making these claims? Um, and it's tough because sometimes this happens so long ago that it's impossible to truly prove beyond right. a reasonable shadow of a doubt what our social or what our justice system uh, mandates to happen yeah. to prove one side over the other. So you have to, it's innocent until proven guilty. So if the person was innocent, they remain that way because they can't right. prove beyond a shadow of a doubt, which is why it's so important for women to come forward right away right. as soon as they're able to with, you know, that way it's it's that much more investigatable. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's kind of sad in both directions. Like, it's sad if that didn't really happen and they're just making this claim and ruining someone's reputation yeah. and possibly getting them fired. But it's also sad, you know, that that's not at a certain point, like you can't do anything about it, whether because it can't be proven or because it's just been so long that 
Right. You know, right. Statute of limitations stuff. Yeah. It's it's a very difficult discussion to have. It's one of those things where there's there's oftentimes not a lot of evidence they're like that someone can go and investigate yeah, you know a lot yeah. exactly you yeah. know and it just it spawns off all kinds of you know i think of like college campuses and like you know the no means no thing or you know people get worried of like if they're gonna sleep with someone they have to gain like explicit consent like can i do this because yeah. they're afraid that if if something happens where it was maybe not that explicit it could be used against them as rape you know and mm-hmm. I, I that's that's freaky you know but at the same time you have these other stories what was the one that came out this year of the girl who got really drunk at a college party and like a boy raped her, but two other kids found her while she was being raped and like scared the kid off. Yeah, and then oh, the yeah. kid got like no jail time. He did, like the 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 father wrote the son like or wrote a letter to the judge uh, saying like please don't punish my son for this for this like five minutes of uh, action. Pretty much was that the that was that that swimmer dude right? Yeah, was yeah, that twenty yeah. seventeen or was that twenty sixteen? I think it was a little older. I don't know. It was either really early this year or last year. It, yeah, but that remember. kind of then you have that kind of stuff where you're sure. like, whoa, like this is like. What kind of father says that to a judge, you know? Yeah. I'm looking up, actually. I want to see when it came out. Uh, let's see. But he was a high-profile kid, right? Well, it became high-profile. No, but he himself was. Uh, not I really. Thought. Like, he wasn't famous or anything for anything else. I mean, he is now. I want to see when it is. I think it was the whole, like, people catching on to the injustice of him not getting more jail time uh, or more punishment. I think. That kind of made it a bigger thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Brock Turner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was his name. Uh, actually, it could have been 2017. It's hard to know. Anyway, point is, it was yeah. it was somewhat recent. You know, um, that kind of stuff is freaky, man. I don't know. It's a very interesting interesting time that we live in for sure. Um, yeah, March 30th, 2016. So over a year ago, a yeah. little while ago, but it all blurs in my head. <laughs> You're getting old. I am getting old. I'm almost. I'm almost old. We'll just we'll keep hey, it. At that. Watch it, buddy. <laughs> he means 30. No, no. <laughs> I'm already there. It's not that bad. You have two kids and you're married. I'm just married. Well, you better get to it. <laughs> no oh. way. Sarah wants kids like 10 years ago. I'm like, calm down. Oh, pre-marriage. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> that harlot. Just kidding. She's not a harlot. I love you very much, Sarah, if you're listening to this. She doesn't listen. She's right. She doesn't. <laughs> no one listens. It's really for her own. Julia does because I get called out on the things I say. This so is for our careful. own hmm. therapy. I think you and I need some accountability like that. Some guys have aromatherapy. Mm-hmm. Some girls have aromatherapy. And we do podcast therapy. Yeah, because it's manly. Very manly. We like to talk about our issues. Yeah. Do you, Rob? Yeah, I do. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Julia read me this meme the other day. That a girl posted something about men say they can't communicate, but I've seen y'all play Call oh, of Duty. Oh, I saw that, yeah. But then the top comment was a guy that was like, yeah, but it's a lot easier to say, hey, snipe that guy on the left, then uh, I think my debilitating anxiety is ruining our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's true. <laughs> That's true. That's a great point. Yeah. Hmm. Practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. I'm a good communicator, for the record. I almost, I'm an, almost an over communicator. Some might say uh, we've noticed. No, no, no I have was, you, Rob. I was trying to, <laughs> I was trying to compliment you. No, you weren't. Yeah, when we were on our double date the other night, it was obvious that you were trying to up your communication skills. I'm getting better trying at too it. Too hard. Yeah, it's almost a problem. But you know, what? in my head, <laughs> I'd rather over communicate than under communicate. That's true. Because I mean, you're taught. At least I've been told that the root of most relational problems come down to Money. communication. Oh. <laughs> 
and communication. Communication and, about money. Yes. Well, right. And the money one, we're already so broke, that's not an issue anymore. We agree, we have no money. But the communication <laughs> part, that I can actually change. You know, I can't change how much money I'm making. I could. I could sell drugs or something. If you had to go there. This well, MLM I've been watching this documentary on Netflix about you know the, the drug business, and it's very lucrative. It is. It <laughs> makes a lot of sense why people get into it. It's true. Like, you could wow. make up business cards. Make- Street Pharmaceutical Distributor. Inc. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if I can make a thousand bucks in a day, I mean, or more. Support your family. But the downside is that you could be incarcerated for life, and you could die and um, you ruin lives you know you could ruin yeah that's, um, I didn't even think about someone else's life just my <laughs> no, own just, also, just what could happen you could to also me. kill someone in theory if they're too, that much of an addict yeah true or but, multiple but the upside a lot of money right hmm hmm these are some I'll talk to Sarah about this we'll weigh out the pros and cons <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do a whiteboard hey, list you should communicate about this yes I'm gonna communicate right, a Venn good. diagram I think I would wanna be helpful I wanna get in the drug business Sarah what do you think <laughs> <laughs> here's my powerpoint if New Jersey legalized marijuana, hmm. which looks like... Would you open up a dispensary? Would I dispensary? personally? Dispensary. Yeah. Dispensary. Yeah, dispensary. Wouldn't I personally? Would you be... Like, would you, if a Christian wanted to, would you, would you support Would you it? say it's okay for a Christian to own a liquor store? I don't know. See, go we, ahead. We started, go ahead. We started having this conversation the other day. We did? Yeah. Oh. At Jerry's. That's true. We did. Why didn't you record it? Turn it into a podcast. Well, we wanted to talk. We were talking about if if legalize, legalizing marijuana is a good idea or a bad idea. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Hmm. Jordan thinks it's a bad idea. Rob, what do you think? I think we already have a drug epidemic in New Jersey. Right. So, so let's regulate it. Didn't we already try? When? By saying it's illegal. No, 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 no. That, well, think about prohibition. <laughs> think about prohibition. We ban alcohol and it just spikes the underground moonshine sh- uh, moonshine sales. <laughs> I can talk. I really can Looks do like it. We're gonna have to. Out. Yeah, we're gonna have to put explicit on this episode. <laughs> um, <yeah>. Moonshine <laughs> sales, and then from there we re-regulated it, and now it's a controlled substance that isn't isn't. There's no underground. Well, there's a very little underground market for alcohol. Here's. Here's my thing on the problem with comparing marijuana to alcohol. Oh, I can't wait. Is that you have to imagine if alcohol was a substance that every single time you drank it, you were immediately drunk. There's a difference. But hold on. There's there's a difference that's true. But the effects of alcohol at its worst are much worse I don't than disagree with the effects you. of marijuana at its worst. One of the best things I've ever heard, which I think is true, is no one ever beats their wife while high. It doesn't happen. That's not true. It is true. That isn't true. It is true. I know some people that got violent a, when they were high. A good no, argument. No, yes. you do not. Yeah. You know what? I reject your statement of alternative and facts. Some people. See, who some, did you hear this from, though, Tim? Well, Was okay. this like Wrong. an actual thing, or Wrong. like your friend I, who does weed told you this? <laughs> Wrong. No, no. no. I, first off, I have many friends who do smoke consistently. Many, because okay. I work with them a lot of them, and also sure. other friends outside of my my Christian circle. Um, Pastor Dan, if you're listening to this, um, you know, I don't want to get in trouble for saying that. I hope I'm still on the praise team. But uh, I do hang out with people who do illegal things. So, um, but from what I've been told and also when I've been around people who are high, the experience is way different by and large than when you're drunk. Right. Way different. I, I agree. Also, might I add, sorry to cut you off, Rob. Uh, marijuana has medicinal purposes. Like, it is something that people who have seizures will take to have, so does have alcohol. seizures. I don't have but anything Paul. against marijuana for medicinal purposes. Okay. I'll make that caveat. But, but, but for, for recreational, recreational purposes. But why? Because, for the reason I said, that it is 
as if because you can't do marijuana and not get high. But so what? Like, if someone wants to do that in their house, why can't they? That's my point. My point is that if I agree with it or not, my point is that in a free country, in a free society, why shouldn't they be able to have that right? That's my that, that's what it boils down to for me. Same thing with gay marriage or whatever you want to call it. The legalization of gay <laughs> unions. I know people don't want to rede- redefine the word. But, you know, same thing. Like, it's not my call. We live in, we live in, we don't live in a theocracy. It's not guided by... You know, uh, a religious textbook. Our constitution was certainly influenced by by religion for sure, but it's it's purposely purposefully vague on certain things. That's why I think it should be legalized. People who smoke weed, by and large, are usually again by and large nonviolent. In most cases, they're usually chilled out, and the effect of a high brings you down, not up. So people who do it do it usually to relax. In most cases, as well. I I understand what the big what the big deal is. I think that it's it's just been so it's such a taboo subject. The term weed it just brings certain stigmas into our head that we are like, oh no, it's a drug. But we legalize Vicodin. We we have a whole pharmaceutical industry, not recreationally. People, <clears throat> okay, yeah, but you know, we're talking about <laughs> whether it's legalized right. or not. But okay, yeah, but doctors and the right. same thing could happen if you legalized medicinal marijuana. They right. could write prescriptions. It's the same. If you're going to compare it to Vicodin... But the difference is that... You're talking about recreational use. You can go buy it if you're 21. You don't need anyone else's permission to say that you really need it for something. Yeah. That's not the case with Vicodin. But people still abuse it like crazy. In fact, there's sure. a huge pill epidemic happening in our country. I don't disagree with even that. even Trump brought up because it's doctors hand out like candy. Is flawed. Why is it flawed, though? Because Why can, you're not comparing apples to oranges. You're comparing apples to oranges. Right. One is way more addictive and way deadlier, and the other one isn't. That's the difference. Right. But you're saying, oh, if marijuana was legal, or comparing it to Vicodin, the way Vicodin is now, but that's not the same. If marijuana was legal for recreational use, is not the same as what Vicodin is now. Well, my, my point that's is saying, what you were saying. Okay. My point is saying that was if a drug that powerful is legal under certain cir- certain circumstances, why can't a drug that's way less powerful be legalized for recreation when the effect is so different? Weed is really, it's a recreational drug is it usually in most cases chills people out. It's an, it's by definition not addictive. You can get addicted to the high of it for sure, but it's not like a an oxycodone or a Vicodin that yeah, is a naturally addictive, addictive pill that you can become very dependent on that can end, put you on the streets. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. But back so, to the original question, from a Christian perspective. As a Christian, would I smoke? Is that the question? Or would you think it was okay to dispense that, distribute it? Right. Eh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, probably not. I probably yeah. wouldn't. I, I, Why is that? It's one of those things where, for me personally, I don't even think. I mean, it does. It definitely alters your state of mind, and it definitely can become something that you become dependent on. And it's. I don't think you know. I think that something like marijuana is fine if you needed it, like you know, for medicinal purposes. Like, mm-hmm. my, like when my dad had back surgery, they gave him oxycodone. You know, it's a very powerful mm-hmm. drug, obviously, because he had back surgery. So it's a little bit different. But I think, like for recreational sake, just like how alcohol, you know, I, I, I think most Christians should be wary of how often they drink and how, you know, tingly they feel when they drink <laughs> it. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Same kind of idea. But so, then is. A lifestyle of smoking weed is that? Would you call that sinful? Well, I, I don't think that we're designed to live that way. I think I, I, I guess yes. And the term "sinful" for me, I think again, it comes down to what comes into your head. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think it's a bad habit for a Christian to be a part of consistently because it makes you, again, from what I understand, I, I never smoked myself, but it gets you outside of it gets you into a different state of mind, right? People use it a lot of times to escape certain things. Um, you know, almost like a 
mental therapy, I think, a lot of times. So I don't think it's a good habit to be in. Now, let's say a tragedy happened in your life, right? And you're just like, you're really struggling with anxiety or depression of that situation, like like a spouse or someone dying, and you took a hit of, of a whatever, of a joint or a bong. I don't think it's like sinful that you did that. You know, if you took something to take the edge off, like having a cup of coffee or smoking a cigarette. In the same circumstance, would you say that was wrong? Uh, I guess. Same thing, but not weed. But what if you had a cup? I mean, but then where do you draw the line? What do you have a cup of coffee to take the edge off? Because caffeine chills so, you out. Does that make sense? No, I, and that's where I kind of have a problem with our society that lifts up coffee drinkers. Like, oh, that's that's great that you. Drink your coffee and you're addicted to caffeine. But the effects are also different, right? Like it's not, it's, I guess it's not as. Um, so what's the problem? Is the addiction intense. the problem, or is what you're taking the problem? See, you're right. On on a surface level, first reaction, my first answer is the addiction part. You know, I think that there are moments in life. I mean, even the Bible says, "Give to him strong drink who's in need." Right? Like it's. I think it's referring to someone who needs like some kind of surgery, whatever it is. You know, who's 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 dying slowly, pretty much. So I think that there are moments where being in those states of mind can be okay because that's what they're designed to do. But I think it's the addiction part for me that I go, this is not a good lifestyle choice to be in consistently for right. many different reasons. The right. financial reason, the you know, the addiction reason, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the coffee part, I think it's, again, where do you draw the line? Sugar is also very addictive. It's in everything that we eat, everything. You know, and we don't only really think about it twice. It's just things just, sweets just taste good. But people are very addicted to their Coke or whatever it is in the morning, you know. Also, what's the difference between that and a habit? Does that make sense? Like if I if my habit yeah. is I wake up in the morning, I go to Wawa to get, get a cup of coffee and a bagel, is that an addiction? Because I do that every day. I think it would be an addiction if your body needs it. Yeah, or is something that you like you can't I guess stop yourself from doing. addiction to gambling then is also is not a bodily need. Yeah, well there's different kinds of addiction, it's physical yeah. and mental right. addiction. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think a habit is a, the same thing as a mental addiction. No, me either. I'm just no. trying to figure out what the difference, what what makes one separate, separate from the other. The difference between a habit that you do every morning, I make the bed every morning. That's a habit. That You're I, addicted that, to that I bed. don't Whoa. do. For the record, I don't do that. But in a perfect world, if I did, you know, versus like an addiction of, I guess it is like the impulse of almost, I guess for me, the difference is you can stop a habit. You could say, I'm going to skip the coffee this morning. An addiction says you need that coffee. If you impulsively cleaned your house to the point where it like distracted you from like engaging with your family or your kids or something like that. Right. Or you impulsively worked to the point where it kept you from doing those same things. And just, I think those, you can be addicted to anything really. It's where I I think you're right. It, it, when it becomes something that you can't stop and something that, you know, affects your life outside of that negatively. Right. Yeah. So back to our weed discussion then, if weed was legalized for recreational purposes and a Christian wanted to try it one time, would you say that was sinful? If a Christian said, you know what? I'm going to eat a brownie for the first time and probably only one, one time. Sin? So gut reaction? No. Okay. Would my advice be to do it? No. Right. Yeah, I think there's a difference, too, when it comes to, like, impairment. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Like, be, like, the other addictions that we're talking about aren't something that if you did once would change your state of mind 
or cause you to be somehow mentally impaired. And, and regardless of the differences between being impaired from alcohol or impaired from marijuana, right. it still is. And I think that, you know, the advice of don't be drunk, but be filled with the Holy Spirit kind of comes into play uh, yeah, in that, it, in that it's, it is changing your state of mind and having it be controlled by something else. Mm-hmm. Right. Something's altering your reality. Right. Temporarily. Yeah. And that's why I would, I mean, my reaction again would be. Probably yes, no. It is. Right. Uh, right. Like, right. D- yeah. No, don't smoke. It's probably not healthy or a right. good idea. Hmm. But, but yeah, it is in that gray area of, is it sin? Knowing that it's wrong, that this shouldn't happen. It could be sin to some person and then not to another. So the difference though would be, it's not sinful if you need it for medical purposes, but it is if you want it just to do it. <laughs> it's I don't know, it's I'm, a gray I'm, area. I'm really no, asking the no. question. Yeah. Like, I, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I don't. I mean, I feel like we're in the weeds with this one because I because then <laughs> no pun intended because because <laughs> yeah, no pun intended. But then the different then what makes one over the other uh, wrong or not would be would be the intent, right? The intent of oh, I'm having which this is issue, often what which it can comes help back to versus I just want to escape from my present reality and be altered by, and by and have something else Wait, alter my mind. However, if you're in pain, you also want to escape from your present reality, right? But that's a negative reality, right? <laughs> so is grief, right? That's that's my point. <laughs> that's exactly my Let's point. Let's go around and around in circles. <laughs> I guess it's just a gray area to each yeah. his own. Honestly, what I'm saying is I feel like sometimes, and I'm sure this will happen, if weed does become a national legalization, you're going to have, I think, a lot of people in the church just kind of, if you smoke, like, it's just pure sin. It's just, you know, they're going to make a, they're going to draw a black and white line on it. Mm -hmm. Which there are some that have done that with alcohol. Yes, absolutely right. Um, And I think that that's really a mistake because I almost feel like this comes back down to our view of what sin is. Right, because we we have a very task view uh, of sin. Oh, sin is things that you do that are bad, as opposed to like uh, a worldview of sin is is the really the broken state of humanity from God. That's what it really is, and the some of the fruit of that that's or some of the fruit of that relationship being broken is the acts that we do. Does that make sense? Like we kind right, of well, for instance, right when you ask if you went into society right now and said what is sin. They say, "Oh, it's when you curse, or when you drink, or when you—it's—it's uh, it's a certain amount. It's certain actions that we do that come back to what sin is. But I think sin Eat is a much apple. deeper issue than that. You know, like even the the when we see a tree dying of decay, I think that's from the sin nature that was brought into our world however many years ago. Does that make sense? Oh, definitely. But is cutting down a tree sin? Yes. Boom. <laughs> Boom! That's an easy one, Jordan. I, it is sinful. It no, is sinful. but does that make sense what I'm saying, though? It does. Yeah. I think it's a little bit more because sin is something defined by the character of God and what God has revealed to us via the Bible. Sometimes there are things that it's like, all right, killing someone... No, that's going to go down a rabbit hole, too. Maybe I shouldn't use that one. <laughs> <laughs> Lying to someone. Lying to someone. Is is not an attribute of God. God cannot lie. So therefore, oh, not displaying can't. God. I correct. guess he's not all powerful then, Rob. <laughs> Check me. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, anyway. Um, but you, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's more to it than just this. I mean, I understand what you're saying. Like, the sin, sin entering our world broke our world. Right. 
Yes. Including our relational, yeah. you know. Both vertically and horizontally. Yes, and downwardly. I'm pointing downwards. Like with the earth. It broke all three relationships with our with the planet, with each other, and with God. That's what sin oh, did. It gotcha. broke all three okay. of those relationships, right? So that's, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think we have like a laundry list of like, these actions are sins, which might all be true, but it's only like part of the picture of what sin really is. And what right. happens is, is that okay. is that we can very easily label certain actions in any context as sinful without, without really thinking through like, Adultery. I found one. Right. Well, no. Certain. Some of them absolutely are black and white. Yeah. It's wrong that's to do. What, that's what my but, point was. But, but <laughs> we apply that black and white to every single possible thing that we think right. might be right or wrong. Right. Like if, yeah. if this can be wrong in any context, it's wrong in every context. Sure. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Well, that's not necessarily always true. Right. So that's kind of what I'm trying to say. Okay. But I'm I'm being I'm bringing that back to our view of sin. I think is a little narrow sometimes based on what sin actually is. Hmm. Even that word sin carries just certain connotations to people that I don't think are hundred percent accurate. And there's, so to your point, there's different words for sin in the Bible. There's the missing the mark, right? So this is what we're supposed to be, right? This is what you are, right? You're missing the mark. There's a transgression. This is the line that was drawn and you stepped over the line, right? I think we more or less focus on the transgression side of it right. instead of looking at the missing the mark side of it. Hmm. Exactly. And then when we try, I mean, at least when I've tried to bring up the other side of it, it kind of people I think assume like, oh, you're just trying to downplay how bad sin really is. And it's like, no, I'm not trying to do that at all. No, actually, I'm, I'm just, saying it's worse than you think. Right. I'm, I'm just trying to call out the entirety of what the Bible talks about. That's yeah. all. You know, because again, I, I think that there's a certain undercurrent of mainline evangelicalism. Did I say that word correctly? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Good job. Um, thank you very much, cents. Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a undercurrent. We had to sound it out for him earlier. There's an, <laughs> there's an undercurrent deep down that I think thinks that like the gospel is too watered down because we don't talk about hell and fire and brimstone and like sin and like you know the wrath of God, so to speak. But I think a lot of that is because, well, I I think that hmm, how do I explain this in the right way without fumbling over my words. You're not doing a great job. I know. <laughs> Are you trying to say like that they're talked about in the wrong way instead of yeah. not enough at all? Again, <laughs> yes. I think that it's just a very like, it's one focus of like the whole gospel, right? Either someone's focusing too much on the love part or too much on the wrath part. And it's like, there's probably a really good median to both sides of this coin. Mm-hmm. But yeah. as long as we live in a culture that's all about extremes, we're going to have both sides fight each other over it. And... To your point, I think there's different ways to present the gospel depending on who you're talking to. Right. Not everyone is going to respond to a hellfire and brimstone right. type message. Right. Some people will respond better to that relational type message. Right. And so I think that's what Paul meant when he said, I'm all things to all people. He's preaching the same message to everyone, but it has a different flavor depending on who he's talking to. Well, that's probably why the gospel ha- spread so quickly because it's a very – you can really um – it's very applicable, yeah. you know, like you, you can really convert it to, in different contexts, in different cultural contexts without without losing its core theology, right, at its mm-hmm. core. So, but glad to know you guys would not smoke weed with me when it becomes legalized. We will not. You will not. No. Nope. No. Nope. Sarah wants to. I'm like, I don't think we should, Sarah. I think it's probably a bad <laughs> idea. She's like, yeah, you're probably right. But I think you can, apparently, you can have like a bad high. You, if, you're, if you're full of like anxiety, you can have a really bad. someone? 
not really, no, okay. no. Pretty but like, violent, full of like anxiety and whatever. Right, yeah. Which that kind of freaks yeah. me out. The idea of being stuck that way for like several kn- hours. I knew someone that got very, <laughs> no. very, very paranoid. No, I'm good. Nope. I'm paranoid enough not high. <laughs> I don't need to be paranoid while high at all. It will be an interesting discussion, though, as the church, as this happens in our culture. It's something that we're going to have to embrace. It's going to happen. And face. The discussion, and, not, right. not yes. the substance. <laughs> yeah. For the record, I do think the bread, it should be legalized. The wine, and the weed. But do you guys think it should be legalized or not, honestly? From a political perspective? Talk into the microphone. From a uh, political there perspective? There we go. Yes. Yes. Like from 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 a, uh, a cultural perspective, should that be a legalized thing? I don't know. Don't know, Jordan. I still say no. Okay, and, and I'm not yes. going to be able to back that up, right? And uh, refute the argument that you made earlier. Fair enough. You made my, a good argument. My but. gut would say no. I'd be with Jordan, but I don't know enough of the facts. So outvoted, therefore, ah. so the podcast as a whole endorses not. Well, I guess, you argue, I guess you could argue, <laughs> like, where do you draw the line? Like, do you legalize other harder drugs? You know, stuff like that, which there are some places that will do like clean needle exchanges where you can go and you can actually shoot up heroin mm-hmm. and there's a doctor standing there in case you overdose. And I do wonder, like, is that too much? But sure. then they'll argue, well, you're saving, you're potentially saving a life. But my argument to that is, but you're not solving the addiction part. You're feeding the addiction part. Right. You know, so I was actually thinking about this earlier today because I was watching that documentary on drugs and how it's just, you know, drugs are a big trafficking problem in the States. Like, there's a huge underground black market of violence and it, it affects a lot of cities, especially Chicago and Baltimore. I was thinking like, and I was really oversimplifying this, but in my head, I'm like, if I was president, I was doing one of those, you know, I think that you would have to really be super tough and really empower local law enforcement to weed out the drugs, but also pour a ton of money into programs that offered free re- re- rehabilitation to drug addicts. So on that subject, you would have to, have you seen how many billboards have been up in New Jersey recently? The Chris Christie thing, right? Yeah. Yep. I, There's been a bunch. I've what noticed, like, a t- so Chris Christie made this whole push to get help because, you know, it's affected his family. It's affected, like, there's a heroin epidemic in New Jersey. Definitely. Big time. And so he pushed to have this huge support for addicts. And I'd say almost one-fifth of the billboards in our state are addic- addiction help. I think that's a big part. I that's honestly cool. think that's very... Important role for government. Like, oh, if absolutely. If your society is becoming addicts to drugs that are super strong, and apparently now there's like other stuff like fentanyl and other things that are even more potent than heroin that are just, I mean, they really, they, they wreak havoc on your body and they're so addictive. If that's a thing, you have to pour money into those programs to get it's people like off the streets. Public health service. Right. It's not good for your society, like for anyone. It's not good for the it's not good for the for the um for the economy. It's not good for tax purposes. You have someone who's not paying it to the tax system. You know, so you want that person right. to be and real, all that money that should be going into the economy is going into a black market hole that exactly. you'll never see again. Right. And I mean the drug trade, it is vast. I mean, Mexico is a huge problem. It's a multi billion dollar industry. And it's, you know, so that's that's kind of also part of my, my reason for like, no, let's legalize it because then the government can step in and regulate it. And I wonder if that would really eradicate a lot of like, not the harder drug side, but a lot of like the marijuana side. If it's legalized in our country and you can get good stuff, so to speak, you know, legally and, and just pay for it, that probably doesn't eradicate a lot of the underground like, ooh, I have to find this somewhere else kind of mentality. And I don't know the statistics. But you always hear, well, marijuana is a, gate- a gateway drug. Right, right. 
I don't know how much of that is true. Right. How many people will say for the first time, okay, marijuana is legal. I'm going to go try marijuana and get quote unquote addicted to yeah. it and then well, I think say, okay, I want to go a step further. The idea that you can get addicted to a high and that eventually that high stops affecting you the same way it did originally could in theory lead you to choosing to try something stronger right. that would but get you high. What, what percentage of from that what is I've been told, right. it's, it's kind of like from a what I understand, again, thing. I only know my personal experience is not on a, a national one. For most people, the term gateway drug, they usually, when I mention that, they usually laugh at me. Like, no, yeah. like it's yeah. not really, that's not how it works. You know, has it happened for someone? Sure. Is that one random guy? You know, yeah. But that's kind of like saying like, maybe we should ban alcohol for the sake of you know, starting future alcoholics. Right. Like it's just kind of a risky take because the majority of people don't become alcoholics. I think the majority of people are not going to become, you know, uh, hardcore drug users if that was legalized, you know. Which did we talk about this? That the statistic is one third of Americans don't drink alcohol? No. I read that somewhere. And I was Where? like, wow, that's hmm. actually really high. That's a lot higher than I thought. Right. Because the alcohol industry is pretty big. Yeah. The other two thirds drink a lot. Yes, <laughs> they make up for the one third that doesn't. <laughs> yeah, Dang. and then some. But it, interesting. It, I never. It, it just it. goes to the. I and I'd wonder how many people drank during the prohibition, and did those numbers drop when the prohibition ended? Well, from what I understand, I again, I'm no history guy, but the prohibition, like alcohol, went through the roof on the black market. It became a big thing. People, oh, yeah. it was. I mean, nuts. and crime went crazy. Yeah. Right. There is there is a link to things that are illegal that the market wants. Like if you're right. working in a capitalist society and the market wants those things, until there's there will always be someone to fulfill the need. Right. Hmm. That's how the market works. That's yeah. why it's so lucrative. The reason why drugs are so crazy expensive, um, legal or not, is because there's a need and there's a high demand for it. So right. supply high demand, and demand, supply and demand. So as long as certain things are illegal and there's still demand for it, which there will always be a demand for this stuff, you're going to have a thriving underground market. Always. Because the money is crazy good. You can make a ton of money. Right. And you know. when there's money to be made, someone will step in. Exactly. So that's kind of the other side of it for me is like the more you regulate this stuff, the more you do it, the more it's legalized. In that sense, I think the less, in theory, in my head, crime would go down for some of this stuff. So the the perfect study kit, well, maybe not perfect, nothing's perfect, would You're be... You're perfect, Rob. Thank you, but I'm not. You're oh right. Oh, my gosh. Uh, would be like Amsterdam, where I'm pretty sure hard drugs are legal there, too. Okay. So I, I haven't studied enough. I don't know. But we'd have to look into it. Yeah, that. we should have prepared for Google will tell us. Well, we didn't, we didn't even know this was on the radar. <laughs> I know. When we were doing our, our pre-recording talk, this did not come up. Amsterdam. No. Totally different direction. It really did, but hey, that's it is okay. what it is. Because when I was in Belgium, I was talking with a guy who lives in Holland. And he was like, yeah, I mean, you can go to Amsterdam and a truck drives around and you can stop them and get heroin. Like All this. right, so soft drugs such as cannabis and hallucinogens like mushrooms, mushrooms. are legal. Okay. So, but I guess they're pretty lax on cracking down on other stuff. Then I would imagine Probably. so. I'm gonna look up Amsterdam crime rate. That's a good thing to. That's a good point, though. Like once you legalize something, even if the connection is just stigma, like you were saying before, Tim, like how much is there a connection then in people's minds? Like, all right, this is legal. We gotta. Get, are you gonna get harder on everything else when you legalize weed too? Right. Also, too, you have to wonder. How many people try weed because it is it's illegal? 
Right. You know what I mean? Like, ooh, it's illegal. I got to try it. That's you like know? underage drinking is a huge thing because it's underage drinking. Right. right. Yeah. When you're 21, it's the big one because you can finally drink. Like, you almost wonder if, if that kind of stuff feeds into the... I that, think that kind of places, use. and I think this has maybe been part of my experience in Washington that I was trying to explain to you the other night. It's almost as if Washington just turned twenty-one, right? Everyone's <laughs> that doing sense. Yeah, right. Everyone's doing yeah. weed because now it's exactly, legal. and yeah. and maybe that'll die down. So maybe it'll become something that doesn't. I feel like I've I've noticed it affecting people and people that I interact with either at work or whatever. Right. It's so prevalent that there's just people there for that reason like they've right. moved there for that like and i'm like really you made like that huge of a life decision just because you can smoke weed here yeah. legally and people, it's like that kind of thing that's like at colorado all the time right. yeah all the time. in las vegas because you could do it there and right. right and it's just kind of that thing like maybe eventually it will normalize and just become like a part of culture like alcohol is where you can do it responsibly and maybe some people don't do it responsibly, but I feel like when it gets legalized anywhere, you're going to go through this period of people just like kind of growing, going crazy with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's what you have to do at some point. I mean, it has to happen. It's going to happen. It's, it's going <laughs> to really, because even Republicans and Democrats, both of them are, pretty, are, are softening up more and more on that, I don't on that subject. So it probably will. It's a matter of time. Hmm. We'll all be a bunch of drug And addicts. then the end will come. Yeah. Oh Lord, come quickly. There will be someone who's who's saying this is the sign of the end times. Weed is legalized. Hmm. Whatever. Well, that was a riveting off topic discussion. Should we continue with the original topic? Nah. Oh my gosh. I, For another time. Yeah, when, yeah, next year when Jordan comes back in town. Just call me up, I'll do it. Over remotely. Skype. There you go. Should we at least hint at Wait, you know what we'll do? This is part one in a, in a multi-part series. <laughs> so That's you'll never hear part two. Yeah, ever. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I don't know. I, we kind of touched on it. Because I think it actually ties into what we were just talking about. Well, how no, so, The addiction Rob, philosophy. All right, go ahead. I'm listening. Okay. So the addiction philosophy, we said there's mental addictions, there's physical addictions. Right. Pornography is an addiction. Right. How much of that being normalized in our culture, it's no longer a, hey, dad has magazines that are hidden away in a closet that little Johnny just found. It's now an accepted part of growing up as a pubescent boy. Hey, did you check out what's on whatever, Pornhub or... Right. Like, that's that's something that everyone now is growing up with easy access free access fast access immediate access right and kids are getting cell phones at like 10 years old right so they're saying here do with it what you want well a lot of that too comes down to in particular with the kids like parents are really naive i think often you know like i've had people come into work and they don't they don't know their 10 year old's passcode on their phone i'm like uh are you kidding me? Like, no, your your kids should not have a passcode that you don't know. I can't. I can't violate their rights. No, you definitely uh, yes. can. Absolutely, <laughs> they don't have any. Absolutely, and you know, with the iPhone in particular, I'm sure for Android too, you can really lock down the phone to not do a lot of things. You can lock down the internet and lock down what yeah. they can download, but you should because you're right. A lot of kids, ten years old, eleven years old, twelve years old, and older, they're getting they're seeing pornography as like their first 
um, exposure to any kind of sex. Right. And of course, and we know that colors the mind. Right. We know that pornography Here's- is not realistic at all. But when that's your only, when that's your first view of sex, oh, this must be what it is. It's you're in for a really rude awakening. Here's the one day. interesting and somewhat scary thing is that you mentioned like the idea of like how much the culture has changed from oh, you found your dad's magazines in the closet to just instant access whenever you want on your phone, and that is true. But a lot of what we were talking about before and just what's coming out now in the entertainment industry and in government and all these guys that are abusing their positions um, and the sexual misconduct that's going on, they're coming out of that generation before that you were talking about. They're coming out of the magazines under the bed generation. What's going to come out of this generation Right, you know, and honestly, I and do I do th- think it's related for there sure. There is a difference too, I think, between seeing a magazine picture and seeing full videos. I just think, think that there is because yeah. you have to really fill in a lot of the blanks with your own mind for a photo, but the video leaves nothing to your imagination. Like it's just, yeah. it is that certain thing. And like you said, the amount of content out there on the internet, you. It's astounding. It's way different than seeing the same four pictures in a magazine versus the infinite possibilities of what's online. And when you're 11, 12, 13, your brain's still developing, that has a major... I mean, there have been scientific studies on this. Like, it it reshapes your brain and how your brain views sex and how, like, it, it, it just... You know, your brain works by, like, making connections, obviously, by with your neuron, with neurons, which are kind of like little... Um, pathways. Roadways. Yeah, pathways, roadways, right? But the more that one is done, the deeper that roadway gets. So if you're 10, 11, 12, you're watching pornography for 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 years or older, you have 10 years of entrenchment of sex being one way. And then when you get to the reality of what sex really is, it's a whole it's a whole mind shift. And it's, it's, a, it's a very different thing, obviously, you know? So it does kind of freak me out a little bit because when I have kids one day, I'm, I, I thought about that. Like, how am I going to have not only the conversation, but how am I going to allow them to have technology while still being a very involved parent? You know, I don't know. Because you can really hide anything pretty easily. It's not hard to do. Right. It's yeah. not hard to do. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, in, it definitely our culture is changing and the technology is changing and things are becoming more easily accessible, but it's definitely like, it's been part of our culture, um, forever really, you know, like, (laughs) uh, whatever you want to call it, the sexual misconduct, you know, or that, that pornography culture has been around in different forms forever, really. Um, and it's really like to get back to the root of how that affects our culture and like what people then think is acceptable because of that. Um, like it's kind of always been there, you know? Yeah, but I don't think, I mean, it has, but it's very concentrated nowadays. Oh yeah. No, I agree with you. It's like, it's like, um, you know, and it was like the dark secret that everyone knew was happening, but nobody talked about. Right. But even the form that it's in, it's a very like powerful dosage, you know, like it's Hmm. not like these ancient carvings or it's (laughs) not like, you know, a magazine anymore. Now it's like full HD, very clear things that are happening that you can access at, again, at any time, at any time. Yeah. Little Johnny can see pornography at any point in the day, whenever he wants. It's not like he has to sneak away back to his dad's bedroom when his parents aren't home to see the picture. He has access to it at any point as much as he wants. So it's a very different level, I think of, pornography that we're experiencing and you can look at i think ted talk had something on pornography recently um and then i think it was chris rock came out with his pornography addiction and how it almost um, ruined his was it chris terry rock? cruz 
No, I think it was Chris Rock. That was something different. Oh, that was also pornography. Was it? Yeah, definitely. I thought the Terry Crews thing was something different. Anyway, but God, Chris Rock came out and was like, you know, it basically almost ruined my career. I was 15 minutes late for everything because I was addicted to watching these videos. And right. It ruined my marriage because things weren't good enough anymore. And so it's not just the Christian culture that's saying, no, pornography is wrong. Right. It's society as a whole is saying, look, we keep, we've made this bed, we're lying in it, and it's the wrong bed to lie in. Uh, Terry Crews, same thing. Porn addiction messed up my life. He had a whole yeah. special on it. You okay. know? You're right. There is, there, there is, there's more and more people, I think, not, not even just in the church, but outside the church who are saying, maybe this is not healthy to be this addicted to. I mean, there's that uh, group Fight the New Drug that came out that's very much so against fighting pornography because it just puts such unrealistic expectations in everyone's mind, not 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 um, even forgetting how much of a toll it takes on the women in the actual industry so often. Right. Many women come and out of the industry, they meet, they meet Jesus, they come out and they say, it was, I mean, you're doped up, they give you free drugs, like they want you heavily medicated while you're doing these things because most women don't want to do these things in real life. You know what I mean? It's it's a very like de- it's a very um, degrading position to be in in that industry for most women. And there is a very real tie between the pornography industry and the sex trade industry. Yes, yeah. definitely. We like to think of them as separate entities. But right. It's like the, no, it's, <laughs> everyone the, it's in those, the same money. Yeah. Right. It's if, if very much you when you women that you see on those videos, some of them have been trafficked and are, do not want to be there. And, you, and even if they're know. not, even if they're not, it's like the money going into that industry, billions of dollars. Right. That's where it's going. Right. You know, a lot of it. Right. Yeah. My concern though is that you know, the church is waking up to it, but it's still too taboo. I mean, here's the thing. Statistically speaking, like three out of four like men are watching porn like weekly or something. It's some crazy high number. That that's not that's not saying except for people in the church. That includes that's everyone in America. Right. So that means that it's pretty pervasive in our church culture as well. A lot of men mm-hmm. and women Okay, but mostly men usually are very addicted to this stuff, and it has the potential to really ruin marriages if they don't get it under control. But as long as the church isn't talking about it and calling it out, I think you're going to keep having this underground current of you know people who are entrenched in this stuff and are so embarrassed to talk about it because of how taboo the subject is. They feel like like maybe they can't come clean without some kind of consequence. You know and what they, I mean? And they don't know how to deal with it, right? Because Obviously, they're struggling with it, so they know it's wrong, but don't know how to overcome it. Right, right. Especially when you know when it's that entrenched. I mean, like you said, when it's when that when that pathway in your brain is made, it's it's a full on addiction. It's not easy to break. It's not easy to let go of. Those images are very addictive to look mm-hmm. at completely. Um, and this is, I think, this is a great like. This is something that I think that the church can really get behind and rally behind, and I think people in culture would partner with the church on this, on like fighting that that industry, mm-hmm. you know, on so many different levels: the human trafficking level, how they treat their workers level, on the addiction level, on how it ruins marriages level. You know, it's not a healthy thing, um, on how it uh, it ruins uh, the minds of young people, especially. You know, there was some study I read a while ago. I think it was Australia or, or somewhere over there, and they were saying how young men were coming into doctors' offices saying that oh, I have ED, I can't perform when I'm with a woman. And the link was that they were watching so much pornography they couldn't actually get aroused with with a real woman. They, they were just so used to watching the pictures. Like That's how bad it can get for some right. people, you know, because you get so addicted to a whole different kind of sexual high, totally different Unrealistic. Than, unrealistic, and it's not real. Like, right. your mind is getting attached to a fantasy. You know? <laughs> Don't give... 
Yes, you said the same exact thing. I, I, right. I, I caught it, all right? It's a very superfluous, copious wow. uh, sentence there. Bringing out the big words, I see. <laughs> the big words. Yeah, they're beyond my homeschooling mind, Rob. So, But you know what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, it's not... It's something that you're not really ever touching. You can never really, you can never really get to. So when you get to be with a real woman who has a whole different need set than what the what the TV shows you, a whole different desire. You know, it's very hard to switch gears just like that. Just is. Yeah. I think there there needs to be a a lot more study on the connection between pornography and then what we're seeing in our culture these um, sexual misconduct cases coming out. You wonder yeah. how much of that started with pornography. And then, okay, that wasn't enough. Let's go a little deeper. Right. How many cases of child abuse start right. with pornography and then just get and deeper? beyond that, too, like I think it's important. Like you're saying, I think that is possible for like culture to partner with the church in that. But I think it's important for people in culture to realize what other things that aren't hardcore porn are feeding into that same culture and that same mindset, you know, things like playboy, like that whole thing that came out when, uh, Hugh Hefner died, just everyone. Oh, he was such a pioneer. He, he changed our culture for the better. He, he freed women and like stuff like that, that like is so hypocritical. Like, how can you separate that? Like, it's the same thing. Right. You know, it's it's maybe a slightly uh, less hardcore version of it, right. but it's the, really the same culture and the same mindset that says, you know, this woman is an object and it's she is someone for you, you that exists for your pleasure and benefit. Right. And that's the kind of mindset that leads men like Harvey Weinstein to take advantage of their position in that. <laughs> a lot of it comes down to power. Like a lot of those situations, sure. like with Harvey and whoever else, was they were in control of the situation, you know? And you're right. I think a lot of that stuff, there's the a lot of... The same stuff came out, the same specific stuff came out about Hugh Hefner, like uh, surrounding that, like people that had lived there. I read an article about some of the girls that lived there and like the stuff that they had said about him afterwards. And it's the same things. Some of it was worse <laughs> than right. the stuff with Harvey Weinstein. And like, how was that glossed over? Right. Because he was like, Oh, like this is who I am kind of thing. Right. If Harvey Weinstein was more open about it, would he have been, would it have been wrong right. still? It's, it's kind of like, it seems like in a lot of circumstances, just like a glaring double standard. Right. Right. You're right. No, I mean, they pretty much when, when he died, it was pretty much like a celebration of his pioneering life, yeah. and like what, like you, what did he, what did he mainstream? Men looking at women without, with just objectifying them without any part of them as a human. I mean, literally just taking their bodies, their physical bodies, and just lusting over them. That's what you mainstream. That's yeah. you know, it's it is it's completely degrading, and I I don't understand it myself. It's very, like you said, very much of a double standard. Um, I, you know, there are definitely, it's hard to say like, oh, there's a direct link to certain things. You know, obviously if someone does something to a minor, like I don't care what they looked at or what they didn't look at, like that's a major problem in their life, you know, but I do tend to think like, you know, like if you look at like, um, or if you read about like what is very popular in the pornography industry, like what kind of content, a lot of it is the younger girl, like 
fantasies of like the babysitter, whatever else it is, the schoolgirl. You wonder how much of that feeds into what some of these men do in real life. You yeah, know, they, and I think it it's, it's broader and more subtle than that. At the same time, too, it's not just this person looked at this thing and that changed how they think about things. So then they go and did this thing that was wrong. Mm. I think the whole it as a whole can shape culture, and you know other things feed into that too. I mean watch half the movies that come out, you know, Game of Thrones for crying out loud. Right. Like those things feed into that culture and that mindset that we have as a a society, as a whole. It mainstreams it. Right. Yeah. And it, it, it sexualizes and idolizes sex, you know, in that situation. Um, and it doesn't like, it doesn't even mean like there's a connection between, you know, like I said, like this person looked at this and they did this because of how that changed. Right, right, right. It's right. this cultural that says this is okay or this is who these people are or this is how it's supposed to be. Right. This is what you deserve or this is what you should get. Right. Um, and all those subtle things that come through then and end in the results that we're seeing now. Mm. Which, so to go back to your discussion of what sin is, I I think it's, we're seeing that in this regard, in specifically this industry, that sin has changed the perception of sex, where it's, we're all married. It's a very enjoyable thing between two married people. Heck God yeah, it, it is. God gave it as a great gift right. to, to be enjoyed within the bounds of marriage. Right. Sin has taken it out of that that binding, as it were, and said, no, it's for everyone to enjoy and so they're just further ruining what it actually is. And so it's not that, um, like you were saying, it's not that, okay, looking at pornography is a sin. Well, you've changed what God intended it to be. Right. And so it's deeper than just this act that you're doing. You're changing the way you're thinking about it. You're changing the way the people that should be enjoying it are enjoying it. And it's just a computer complete perversion of what god created well you're stripping out the like the spirituality of sex you're just you're stripping it out and putting it you know i don't know you're just it's it's only it's focusing on one part of sex you Mm -hmm. know like our culture is so fixated on the physical aspect you miss out on the emotional and spiritual aspect of what sex really entails between two people it's much more than just a physical connection but things like playboy or even like the mainstream view of sex in certain tv shows or even the hardcore pornography you it it's not it's not seen as that you know and, and honestly too a camera can't capture that <laughs> it's no. not supposed to you know i mean right. that 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 bonding between a um a, you know a husband and wife or whoever it's a very intense thing it really bonds you and the camera never shows that part and i i think that's a big part of it you just see the act played out say oh that must be how it is then you get to do that act with that person and it turns that oh there's a much heavier weight than just the physical side of this it's more than just a how i feel about it there's actually an emotional and spiritual bond that happens between two people when that happens that that no one ever really tells you about so you experience it you know what i mean yep hmm. Hmm. i mean i feel like now we're masters about this stuff we're <laughs> pros at this point we said all there has to be said <laughs> I don't have anything else about this subject. I mean, I don't know what else to say about it, you know? Yeah, I think, like, for now, like, 
that's what there is to say about it, <laughs> you know, in some ways. And I think it's, it's, well, it's funny cause it's like something that continues to come up. Like we did a, we did a series on marriage and stuff before, and it was a whole episode that we did, you know, yeah, two, three years ago. And wow, yeah. I think it'll come back around again because it's something that continues to be so prevalent. So I think there's world. the two sides that the church has to address. Sex in of itself is normally a taboo thing that's not really talked about. I think it should be talked about in a very positive way. Well, it's way. talked about as wait until marriage. It'll be this awesome thing. That's how it's talked about. And while that's true, you know, un- unintentionally, part of it has become just when you get married, you can probably have sex. It's going to be just amazing right, thing. Right, so there's a bunch of young Christian people that are getting married to have right. sex. They're just freaking horny. And they're Flash getting married. Flashback to teenage teens. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> God, please don't come back until I get married. <laughs> I mean, who hasn't prayed that prayer? Come on, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, you know I'm not. You know I'm not wrong. God, please just don't come back until after my wedding night. Then you can come back. Right. <laughs> then you can come back. That was hey, that was the big joke. God's gonna come back right when I say right. I do. Right? No, <laughs> exactly. Right? You know, and the true love waits, the purity waits. Even that, I think, kind of missed the mark in like how we position what sex is and what it's designed to be, and and why it's important to wait. You know, and I I, I know people were good. They're well-meaning Christians who did those things. You yeah, know? I'm not, absolutely. I'm not saying they're bad people. You know, and there's good that has come out of them. But for sure. But again, I think it's not the full story of you know, sex is great. It's meant to be enjoyed between between two people. I think in a committed relationship, you know, before God, that's the bottom line. And when when you do have sex with just one person, or you're able to quote unquote save yourself from marriage, I think that your sex life is that much better as well, personally. So, so the two things then are yeah, talk about sex in a positive way, but talk about why. Right, and that's something you just touched on. When you talk about why it validates the truth that you're portraying. It shows what God's intent was, and then it shows how the perversion has twisted it. And so I, I forget what book I was reading on pornography. It was one of the Christian books that came out, you know, just talking about it. And the one of the main points was if you're going to defeat the the um the addiction it has to be more than just okay i put a filter on my computer so i can't watch it anymore right you have to really get down to the level of no this is a person i need to respect the person god created them as someone and you had to get down to the why level if you were really going to have a change of heart and defeat that addiction yeah and so i think the church really has to start addressing that more publicly and without the taboo nature of oh you said sex in church right no, I'm with you, hundred percent. It's it, the church can, can do a lot of good in this in the particular area, you know. And there have been some churches doing the good stuff. You yeah, know? I think I Triple X Church has been a, I know a big pioneer in that in that space, uh, especially as Christians trying to fight you know pornography and you know offering different solutions for men to get out of pornography addiction, especially because it ruins marriages so yeah. often, you know. So I think that's it's a great point, hundred percent. Yeah. Cool. Well. On that happy note, <laughs> I'm happy. You're happy. I'm happy. I'm You're happy. happy. Yeah. Listen, we had, we did a podcast two days into January, uh, 2018. That's a good start in my book. That's right. One every two days. At this rate, we'll have <laughs> at least three done by the end of the year. So, um, yes. Well, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Uh, if you made it all the way through, we appreciate you very much. Um, once again, if you want to hear more. Um, you can make this our full-time job. We just need, <laughs> how much do we make a year? Probably $200,000 per year to, among three of Same us. Even I think million. it's fair. 
That's yeah, yeah, even million, even million. So if you want to fund that habit, well, we'll podcast every day for you. This is a habit. It will yes, be our. Yes, this, this is a habit. Will not be our addiction. addiction. Um, you can tell because of how infrequently we do it. So <laughs> it's um, really not even a habit. Yes, thanks for listening, guys. Enjoy the rest of your days. Oh,